whatever it is that you prefer to call them, whether it is grandpa and grandma, or nono et nonna, or abuelo y abuelita, whatever it is, every grandparent ever, in every culture, on every continent, all of them ever, will tell you the same thing without hesitation. Here it is. There is nothing happier than grandchildren. This is a proverbial truth. And I mean that literally. In Proverbs 17, super wise Solomon says it like this. Children's children are the crown of the aged. You feel that? Grandchildren, in a true sense, are the crowning joy or the crowning validation of a well-lived life. They are like the cherry on top of a killer sundae. They are the Gatorade bath at the end of a hard-earned Super Bowl W. They are the magnificent, slowly setting sun culminating a wicked happy beach day. They are the crown. That is what grandchildren are in a man or a woman's life. And it's not just because you get to buy them Richie slush cherry, I hope, or take them to see the fireworks, or let them watch three straight hours of SpongeBob. It's also because you are given another chance to model for and to share with your own flesh and blood the greatness of God and the grace of his gospel. Don't ever forget that when the Apostle Paul was trying to encourage young, timid Pastor Timothy to hold fast to gospel truth and to throw himself with no fear into the difficult work of leading Christ's church in Ephesus, what did he say to him? He said, Tim, don't forget your confidence in Christ is not new. That thing dwelt first in and was proven out with your grandmother, Lois. Isn't that beautiful? God works through generations. And if in his providences we live long enough to become grandparents, he lets us see that faithfulness all the way to the last chapters of our lives. If there ever was a world championship belt for the most fun, most involved, most present papa, my dad would have held it. Let's just say that he is tight with his grandchildren. So in this episode, I asked him to talk about that and about the unique relationship that he forged with each of his eight grandchildren, oldest to youngest. One of the most beautiful marks of the character of God is that he is a redeemer. He doesn't give up on broken people, broken situations, broken stories. He cares and he acts in love with power to bring beauty from ashes. 
This, of course, is true in the capital R sense of the redemptive work of Christ in the gospel. But it is also true in a hundred million little r redemptions in our lives. For my dad, his closeness with his grandchildren was one of them. My grandparents were MIA, missing in action. One lived around the corner and one lived in, in Ronkonkoma. My dad's dad was an alcoholic, a scary one. He would drive the car. He would try to pick us up. My dad wouldn't let him. However, we never spent a moment at their house. We would have to pass the house coming back from school. And once in a while, we'd stop in and knock on the door. And grandma, her name was Florence, she'd take a washcloth and wash our ears, wash our hands, maybe give us a cookie and tell us, don't dirty the house. We'll see you later. And that's about it. I can't even remember once in a while, a Thanksgiving dinner, we were all there, but it just wasn't a grandfather-grandmother relationship. My mother's mother, similar, was an alcoholic for over 60 years. And she lived in Corona, and her husband died, and she got remarried and moved to Long Island. She really loved my brother and I, but she was incapable of being a loving, kind grandmother. She didn't have it. And many, many times we went out and I had to go bring her home, put her to bed. She was drunk. So what I experienced with Matthew and James's kids was another universe compared to my grandparents. Matthew Jacob Cruz. He's 22 now, and he was Papa's first grandson. Our firstborn. Instantly, we became best friends doing everything together, playing sports, doing stuff. Even when he was young, in Revere, we would, by the beach, we'd watch the planes come in. And as time went by, we spent many, many years out in Cape Cod. And in this one place we stayed to all the time, there was a ping pong table. And Matthew J. was young, and we would play early in the morning, early in the afternoon and early at night. And they, Grace would say, come on, dinner. No, we want to play ping pong. So as we played, I let him beat me a lot. And didn't want him to be discouraged. So that's the way it went. So one morning, I get up and I hear ping pong, ping pong. And there's Matthew in the garage practicing against the wall. Says, come on, Papa, I'm ready. So all of the time of letting him win, all of a sudden he was slicing the ball and hitting the ball and I was trying my best to keep up with him. And all of a sudden he passed me. He is the ping pong champ. So we laughed about it and we drank a bunch of Cokes. So those were hours of, we practically slept with our paddle. That's how much fun we had playing ping pong. Upon his graduation from college, I had a uh, beautiful 56 Chevy. It was souped up. It had a big engine and had a lot of stuff in it, not just a shift handle, but all of the stuff you'd think that would be a race car. And then uh, Matthew was so, wanted that car so bad. So Mark and I went to this place in Stoneham, and we were able to secure original General Motor keys 
the stock and dies. And we put it in this little leather case. And when his graduation came, we gave it to him. And he was excited. So he had the key. And he says, what's next? I said, well, we're going to get down to the movie theater. And I'm going to teach you how to drive. Are you ready? And he really wasn't ready. Stick shift. And this car had an easy shift. So we got in the car. I was in the passenger seat. And he was shifting, grinding gears, bucking. And if you know anything about shifting, if you go too fast, too much gas, the car bucks and you bounce all over. He was getting so frustrated. And he got out of the car and slammed the door and got back in. I said, Matt, a little bit of gas, a little bit of clutch up. Once you feel your car moving, ease off the clutch, step on the gas. Finally... After about an hour of Sonex banging around, he got it. So this theater, there was a long way around it. And he came around and he waved. He came right next time with this beautiful smile on his face. And he hollered out the window, I got it, Papa. I got it down pat. Put it into neutral. Of course, he's a little cocky now. Popped the clutch and burned about 50 feet of rubber. So he finally had it, and I think it was one of the joyful times that we, we have had together. And basically it was his car. It's in my garage, but it's his car. He uses it whenever he wants. He takes it up to work and shows the guys. And he's very careful with it, very safe with it. And uh, it's his car. Brandon James Cruz, he's 20, and he was grandson number two. Okay, our second child, Brandon. Totally different than Mar Matthew. He was such a gift with those beautiful brown eyes. Captured all of us. He was always quiet and thought, somewhat like his dad, always thinking and thinking things through. And many times we'd lose Brandon. He would disappear. We'd be, he'd be on his bike, gone, or especially in Cape Cod, we didn't know where he was half the time. So Julia drew this big drawing of buildings and people and buses, and she hid them in there, one of the little windows. And then we'd put the sign on it, where's Brandon, instead of where's Waldo. So that was a lot of fun, always looking for him. And one of the greatest things was with Brandon was that he never rocked the boat. He started T-ball, and he was playing left field. He really wasn't knowing what he was doing. And he had his glove. And the balls are bouncing around, heading in. And all of a sudden, we're looking in left field, and he's sitting down. And we're saying, Margaret, what's he doing there, sitting down? He was hot. So that's the kind of guy he was. If he wanted to sit down, he just sat down. So, and everybody loved him. One other thing that was so interesting about Brandon, that he was brilliant. He was statistic. He'd know when it came to basketball, 2-3, 1-3, man-to-man. He almost like he absorbed it. So one time we're talking with the cousins, and we are talking basketball, which is a topic we always talked about, sports. And the guys start talking about Will Chamberlain. And Will Chamberlain, if you know, the only basketball player who ever scored 100 points. 
And we were all saying, how did he do it? How could, how could that possibly be? And then Scotty said, well, you know, he was probably playing the Knicks in Philadelphia. Then all of a sudden they got quiet. And in the background he said, no, guys, it wasn't Philadelphia. It was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's the type of guy he was like, all of a sudden, only Brandon would know that detail that this was not an NBA game. In it was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So we always look to see as he watches games. I like to sit down with him in the games and hear his take on stuff and always correct. Seth James Cruz, he's 18 and he was the first grandson born to James and Sarah. Okay, Seth. Absolutely tender-hearted, kind, knows what he was doing, born with the ball in his hand. That's the type of kid he was. Our trips to Tulsa were always packed, looking for excitement, every moment with the children, sports in the morning, sports in the afternoon, Frisbee, football, basketball, soccer, on and on and on. And this one time, we were with the kids having fun, and we heard on the radio that we needed to be aware of an approaching tornado. And uh, we have never experienced that, but many times being there, we saw results of tornadoes, and they're not nice. So we didn't know what we were going to do, you know. We weren't. There wasn't any. There there's no basements. So we heard the sirens blasting. We got scared, Margaret and I, Mom and I. And then, tells, and then Seth says, don't worry about this. I got this. He gathered a whole bunch of stuff with the brothers. He got the Xbox. He got the Nintendo. He got drinks. He got snacks we had a radio we all packed ourselves in this thing shut the door we had a mattress we had pillows and flashlights there was no lights in there and we could actually hear the storm it didn't directly hit our area but they're so big howling wind screeching sirens and they didn't seem to be bothered you know they were so much fun having games and playing stuff and we're all eating away and this specific, this specific storm, it took down schools, could have hit us and took us, but it didn't. So as it passed over, we really were, <sighs> Mar and Mar were relaxed. They were still playing games. <laughs> but then Seth stood up and says, Papa, we need to pray. We need to pray for the victims of the storm. We need to pray for anybody who was injured, the families that were hurt. And he just said the most beautiful prayer. He thanked God for keeping us safe. And his character just stood out so strong. Julia Grace Cruz. She is 18, and she was the first granddaughter to everyone's surprise and delight. Julia Cruz, three boys, first girl. Was I going to be able to handle this? 
A girl? Where's she going to fit in with? Yes, I can. One of those seasons that we were together, it lasted three years. And you know what it was about? The violin. She wanted to play the violin. So a place down the street, not too far from where we live, there was this great violin class with uh, teachers. And she said, Papa, can you help me do this? And uh, Matthew and Grace were busy, so I said, yeah, sure. We'll get down there. So this one girl, she was terrific, a teacher, kind, patient. And we picked up a violin for her, and she got started. For three years, I went to these violin classes, sat in the vestibule, and this is what I heard. Squeak, screech, scratch, squeak, squeak, scratch. What in the world? What? Where's the note? <laughs> when are we going to hear them? For three years, that's I sat there night after night. Not, well, one, once a week. And her recital, when it was her time to give a recital, she was absolutely perfect. She was just this little girl up there. Grace had to put her in a beautiful dress. Her teacher, I think her teacher's name was Heather. I'm not sure. She played the piano and came along, and Julia hit every note. It was so good. Everybody there just got up and applauded, and we were all so proud of her. So she got that for three years. She played. Then sports came into her life. Basketball, softball. And me being a 33-year softball player, I would really like to see Julia take the mantle here. So, Melrose had pitching camp once a week for a solid week. And I believe um, Julia's dad was busy. He had with uh, the Seven Mile Road and other things he did and working. So she asked me, Papa, can you come down and be my catcher? So the first few days I went down and it was pretty tough. They were, these women who were helping the girls were all college kids. So I says, well, I need to do something. So I took a glove, catcher's glove, and I put a battery in between my wrist and the glove and I put a the lights all around the fingers and all around the bottom. Turn it on, and we started. I had it up like this, and like the whole gym stopped and looked. And one girl says, that ain't fair. And the girl said, that's okay. And everybody laughed, and it was such a, a no one ever saw such a thing. And that was Papa's idea. And I've watched Julia develop from traveling softball teams to playing in eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade. And it says it stands now she is the premier pitcher for the Molden Catholic varsity team and looking for a great year this year and hoping to land a good college with a scholarship. She's that good. So I've been blessed with her and it's been a wonderful time growing up with her 
Micah Gabriel Cruz, 17, James's second son. Micah, long blonde-haired kid, a lot like his dad, very quiet in a lot of ways, trying to pull out his dreams and the deep things that he has. But when he does, we're amazed at what his dreams are, and they're really great. He also loved the 1956 Chevy. So the last time he was up here, he said, Papa, can you take me for a ride in the car? A long ride. It was a beautiful day. I think it was August. Not sure. Sure. Buckle up. We went up Route 1. Really sped a little, you know, to show him what the Chevy could do. Drove around, and what was great about it was that I've rarely been alone with him. So I was able to dig a little into his mind and his thoughts of what he wanted and what his aspirations were. And he's a quiet Christian kid too, and he loves God. So that was a good time for me to have some lonely time, lone, lone time with him. But the last thing we did was in front of the house, I says, okay, you ready? We put the Chevy in gear. I revved it up to about three and a half thousand RPMs, popped the clutch right in front of our house, put down about 300 feet of two-wheel rubber, smoke. <laughs> he was holding on and yelling, and everybody got out of the houses. We thought that we had crashed. Levi Michael Haas Cruz, 15, James's third boy. If you wanted to give Levi a different name, you'd call him Little James. Always moving, always taking risks, absolutely no fear. Shake his leg just like his daddy does all the time. Even at dinner time, knocking over the glass. When James was young in Staten Island, knocking over the milk, knocking over the glass. Identical. Just did that all the time. Life was always fun with Levi. Every moment was enjoyable. Happy kid with a whole big future ahead of him. So we were back watching the children, and then we'd take them for walks. We'd go to Hunter Park, and we also go down by the Arkansas River, which was very close to the house. We'd walk along the side, climbing trees, skipping, jumping, trying to keep up with Levi, the fastest one. And one time, we kept moving, and then Mom said, where's Levi? We couldn't find him. Where is he? We backtracked. Did he fall in the river? Is he hiding up in a tree? He liked to hide. And then all of a sudden, he comes crawling out of a pipe, maybe six feet wide by four feet wide, and that pipe connected to the street. And when it rained, it took the overflow drain water into the pipe and into the river. And in that pipe were snakes, frogs, Crickets, all kinds of crazy things, but it was dry. So we came out, and that's the type of guy he was. Another crazy story with him, we used to go to the Tulsa Drillers baseball game. And we, it was like two bucks, so we were always right down on the field. And it was a regular triple-A team. Next step up was the majors, and it was down in the ground. However, they had a mean, nasty mascot. 
He was a blue bull. Snorkel. Smoke came out of his nose. Big horns. And he was coming by us, and Levi saw him. Levi froze. Almost started crying. Our big, brave Levi, who would jump out of the Empire State Building with a parachute, he says, we got to get out of here. <laughs> Papa, I'm so scared. He's coming right by us. It was two guys. It was the bull in the front and another guy walking inside the back. Came down the stairs. He went under the baseball seats, grabbing Margaret and I's legs. And I said, hey, you guys... This poor kid, he's like seven years old, and he's absolutely stunned or scared. So could you please go and leave him alone? And then finally he walked away, and he was kind of embarrassed because the, the bears that he had was impregnable, really got him scared. So that was another great story. I remember to this day, as real as life, he was a scary, creepy bull. Callie. Dorothy Cruz. She's 14 now. Granddaughter number two. Callie Dorothy Cruz. <laughs> what a surprise. Callie was a true companion with me. She makes everything awesome. Even to this day at 14, she says, Papa, I love you. You love me? Sure. So going back to the Cape, where we stayed, there was a big pool. Matthew, Brandon, and Julie would jump in the big pool, and there was a little pool, and that's where Callie and I spent time. She had a little horse, and I'd spin around and throw her in, and she didn't want to go in the big pool, and we splashed, and we actually got carried away because some of the parents says, can you guys keep it down? You're splashing everybody. You make a noise. We didn't pay attention to them. We kept splashing and making noise. So that was a that was a really great time. Always, she couldn't wait to get down there, and we were like two goombas in that pool. Another thing we did was many times we'd go to Marblehead Neck out in Marblehead, and the Marblehead Neck was this big rock that went out into the Atlantic Ocean, and it was steep on each side. And all of the all of, all of the kids were there, and Callie and I would walk down the ledge and go where the ocean was. They weren't big waves. And by the water, there was there's dozens and dozens of rocks, black, onyx, shiny, and we'd fill a bag full of them, really smooth, and we'd make it back up. And then we'd take them home, and she'd go to her house, and I'd go to my house, and she'd put them around the trees and around the plants, and we'd decorate the uh, landscape with them. So that was really good, you know. Another great thing with Callie was that that uh, the school they went to, CCA, they had uh, daughter and dad dance night. And I went with her, and she was beautiful. She, did she have a carnation? I don't remember. She looked so gorgeous. She actually had stuff in her hair. And Margaret actually got me in a suit, which was kind of hard, but she did. And we got there, and I knew so many of the people because I've been involved with CCA for a long time with Matthew, Julie, and Brandon. And Julie was, Callie was sticking next to me like a like a twin. And she says, uh, well, I'm going to go see some of my friends, Papa. So you just stay put. There's refreshments over there. 
but I'll be back because we're going to dance. They come back and she says, now you're ready for this dance. We're going to do Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> it was like a hillbilly thing, you know, and we were kicking feet and kicking people and just having a great time. And then finally she started to navigate to her friends. But like every 10 minutes, she'd find me and hug me and say, are you okay, Papa? There's dessert over there. Don't be, don't be bashful. And we danced and we had such a great time. I wouldn't say that I have favorites because they're all older now and they're, they're, they're grown up, college stuff, but Callie's been so sweet to me and so kind to me and I'll always love the dealing. Emma Faye Cruz. She's 10. James and Sarah's delightful surprise baby girl. Emma, affectionate. She loves. And I'm sure that James and Sarah were surprised. A girl after three boys. Now you got to remember something. She had to compete with three boys. Basketball, kickball, punch ball. Uh, I remember the times that we watched them. They threw her across the floor and they picked her up and threw her back. And all of a sudden she picked up Seth and threw him down. So she was as tough as nails. So I'm asking, and she's a force. She's an absolute force. So I asked her a couple of weeks ago, how's basketball? She says, what do you mean, Papa? She says, we won 25 to 1. No big deal. <laughs> Not only is she sweet, but she has a killer instinct. Also, she's a great drawer. Her and I went for many, many hikes. I cut a branch for her and I, and we duel with it back and forth, and then we get walk in the woods, and then all of a sudden we put down the the uh, things we made, and she says, "Papa, I'm ready for softball." Yeah. Well, I need a glove and a bat and a ball. You gotta buy it for me. <laughs> sure, sure thing. Of course, we got a bat. A ball and a glove. We got a lot of trees over our garage and they get stuck in the, the the drain pipe. And so Emma says, I'll take care of it. All of a sudden she grabs a 10-foot ladder, pulls it next to the garage. I don't know how old she is, like nine. Gets something and cleans the whole drain pipe. Wet, ugly, mucky leaves and, and stuff. And then she smiles, I told you. And then I had a water fountain in the back, and she said, go get some Lux soap. Put it in the water fountain. And it bubbled up six, seven feet in the air. And all the kids were together. And it was in their hair, and they were fighting and running, and it was such a wonderful time. The memories will forever be in Margaret and I's heart of uh, what those kids have given us. So there it is. I hope you heard the deep love a grandfather can have for his grandsons and granddaughters in those stories. And of course, little did my dad know that in the middle of loving us and our kids really well, he would be diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer. Thanks for listening to this episode of Yeah, That's My Dad. 
if you're loving stories, if they are blessing your soul, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast. And also, you are the only way folks are getting connected to this, so feel free to spread the word.